and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jantz, and my guest today is Scott Gerber. He is the founder and CEO of Gerber Enterprises, uh, which is an entrepreneurial incubator. He is a syndicated young entrepreneurship columnist for various publications, and he's also the founder of the Young Entrepreneur Council, but he's also got a new book out uh, that we're going to talk about today uh, with the catchy title of Never Get a Real Job. So, Scott, thanks for joining me. John, thanks for having me. appreciate it. So, you know, if we're going to use this term, never get a real job, I think it's probably helpful or would be helpful for me and, and listeners to maybe get your idea of, you know, what a job is even <laughs> anymore. Sure. Because I think that that's, <laughs> anymore, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of what um, is the sort of impetus for your book is that, that what we used to think of as a job has probably changed somewhat too. So uh, what, what's your take on that? Well, I like to consider it in very simple terms as it's like putting all of your eggs into one basket and then handing the basket off so that you no longer own or control the basket. And that is what my opinion of a real job is. It's a moment where you have no real control over your financial future, over your career's direction. Uh, it's where you are in others' hands that might not be having, or in most cases, don't have your interests at heart. Yeah. And so with what I talk about now, especially in the face uh, of youth unemployment being in staggering numbers now, over 16% to 18%, uh, in certain demographics of the segment, as well as mass uh, unemployment across the world in young unemployment, it's actually uh, 81 million unemployed. You know, now more than ever, we need to get away from the air quote around the word real, real jobs, uh, because frankly, we're trying to fight our way into a system that doesn't want us. And we're trying simultaneously to fighting our way in, being part of it, and it's taking us down step by step, notch by notch. Yeah, I was going to say, you can also make a case for uh, you're trying to fight your way into a system that you don't want. <laughs> exactly. Either, well, yeah. it, it's not because it, it's not in your best interest. I right. mean, again, it sounds very contrarian. I've taken a lot of heat in recent weeks from my position, but I don't understand the mindset that these career experts take, which is just spruce up your resume, or here's how to improve your job search with these great tips. Mm. What rocker these people living under that they think that that is a valuable alternative to people who have sent 200 plus resumes and still believe that this work hard, get good grades, go to school and get a job mantra is still in any way applicable when it's not. And you're not necessarily suggesting that whether you have a real job now or you can't find a real job now, you're not necessarily suggesting that every one of these people start their own business per se, are you? Well, you know, in certain ways I am, because yeah. frankly, if you are if you're right now a recent college grad with tens of thousands of dollars in debt, and you cannot make ends meet, so you keep sending resumes, you keep trying to buy into that mantra that the handout resume-driven wheel is going to turn in your favor at some point. But it's a very passive exercise, because you're not being productive. You're not using your time, which for a young person is the most valuable resource possible. Mm -hmm. So... Instead of trying to invest in others that don't want to invest in you, it's time you need to invest in yourself. You need to be able to take control. You need to be proactive and a self-sufficiency expert. And the only way that's going to happen is if you take your life into your own hands. Right. Well, I guess what I was suggesting is maybe the traditional real business, <laughs> um, you know, maybe <laughs> has changed. Definition has changed as well, um, because I think a lot of what you're suggesting and what I've read, and, and certainly I think. The opportunity is there because of all of the new tools and global uh, reach that we have now is that, that maybe you start a series of businesses or a series of jobs or or some way, you know, maybe like uh, um, the four-hour work week, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that that it's really a matter of putting a lifestyle together that allows you to do what you want to do and all of these sort of easy ways once you kind of turn the tap uh, to actually make a living doing it. 
Mm-hmm. The, the way I advocate is very simple. We've been told and blinded by a lot of the hyperbola as what I call the rah-rahs. Uh, the rah-rahs are people that are out there, you know, standing on a stage like Tony Robbins telling us what's wrong with us and how we can do it, but they don't actually tell us anything new. They just simply tout, you know, nonsense and, and, and get excited stuff without talking about the practical nuts and bolts. When people talk to me and say, hey, Scott, you know, this sounds great. I'm going to never get a real job. That, that sounds like a dream come true. Great. How do I do it? Well, frankly, I tell them because I went through it. I went through the understanding of that I didn't want to get a real job. I come from the school of hard knocks because my first business that I did start almost bankrupted me to the point of having less than $1,000 to my name. And I took the remaining amount of money, the lessons I learned, killed my ego, created a simple service that today is a dominant player in its field. It's called Sizzle It. And we produce sizzle reels for PR and marketing professionals um, as clients as large as Procter & Gamble, Dolby, and The Gap. Uh, And that all stemmed from the lessons that I learned by having no idea what I was doing. Because frankly, I never had the education. I never went to business school. I never took a single mathematics class in college. uh, And I never thought in a million years that you know, I would find myself in a place where I could be talking today, trying to change the way a generation needs to operate. But frankly, I'm glad for the path. You use a um, a, a venture capital term, a very common venture venture capital term called burn rate, uh, mm-hmm. but you kind of apply it a little broader into this idea of, of figuring out your life burn rate. I, I, I think that's an intriguing concept. I wonder if you'd share that a little bit. Sure. So basically, before you start a business, you know, I I am not one of those people that advocates just start a business based on some great idea. In fact, I advocate against that. What I say is to start an unoriginal, practical nuts and bolts business that is capable of generating immediate revenue. So, you know, stop thinking Facebook, where there's no real revenue in creating something like a web destination right away. And instead, start thinking things like pool cleaning service and making an unoriginal twist, uh, you know, making an original twist on its marketing and branding. But with life burn rate, uh, what is basically stems from that is because I advocate that you can only start a business from that practical nuts and bolts level if you first know what you have, if you first understand your monthly expenses in a much more, uh, you know, very, very well-read way, if you can analyze expenses you've made to forecast expenses for the future. And, And simply put, the strategy that I have, you know, is not something that tells you, hey, just cut everything. Because that doesn't make any sense, right? We're not trying to live like monks in a cave. But, you know, there are certain, certain scenarios where you can question every expense. You could say, okay, is this a liability, uh, such as a college loan? How can I, you know, take this college loan and pay it off in longer terms in, in, in some way uh, by putting it into a different creditor? Or if this is my five luxury expenses, you know, what can I cut? What can I save towards? And, and you know, what can I pull back on? And if something isn't essential, well, can I scale it up and down? You know, do I have to live in an apartment? Can I move in with roommates uh, instead of being by myself or move back in with my parents or do something that's, again, going to adjust my life burn rate to be able to handle the burn rate of my new business? Now, I have uh, several 20-year-olds, so I'm going to uh, put a note here. Uh, um, you know, moving back in with your parents is not an option. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, for some people, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's unfortunately an option, but for the wrong reasons. Right. You know, we, we, we've been told that as Gen Y, uh, we are called the boomerang generation. And what yeah. the boomerang generation is, is that we're the first uh, generation in history in mass numbers because we're so broke and get up to our eyeballs and screwed uh, that we move back in with our parents because we have no other alternative. Yeah. And so at least if we're going to do it, let it be because there's a way out and not because we're trying to fight a way back in. So you, you, you've 
probably hinted at it and circled all around it, but if you were going to succinctly say who this book is for, mm-hmm. um, what, what would be a what would be a good definition of the of the of the type of person that ought to be reading uh, Never Get a Real Job? This is a book for Gen Yers from the Gen Y perspective. You know, I write who I am, I write what I know, and I know who I speak for uh, because I know what it's like to be in debt, and I know what it was like to move back in with my parents. I know what it was like to go through business without any kind of backing or education, and so. I write from that mentality because I believe in teaching through failure. I can help others to avoid the same failures that 20-somethings universally will experience uh, based on things like your ego, because we are a coddle generation that doesn't know any better in many cases, yeah. you know, on things like what you're spending on versus what you shouldn't be spending on, how you start a business versus how you absolutely should not start a business, and so on and so forth. So in the book, you know, specifically in targeting this Gen Y audience, I take them through three stages. The first is kind of psychological warfare, where I break them down. Uh, in fact, the first chapter is Everyone Poops, Yours Isn't Special. Everybody seems to like that title. Um, but that's basically showing you, you know, how you came to be and how you went from a, a victim of a coddling culture to an accomplice where you thought your mediocrity was special. And that's, you know, faded to script your perception of reality. Yeah. And then I take you. Then I take you through building a, a proper foundation for what your new principles and understanding should be about business, for how you should act and and think uh, and and start up. Uh, and then finally, I take you through the end game, which is really how do you operate, manage, and keep this thing growing, going, and building uh, through marketing and sales tactics and shoe strapping budget as uh, shoe strapping methods, as I call it, instead of bootstrapping. This halftime break is brought to you by Constant Contact. Constant Contact helps small businesses and nonprofits build great customer relationships with email marketing, event marketing, and online surveys. Visit them today at constantcontact.com and sign up for your free 60-day trial. Well, so um, you, you um, there, there are a couple quotes that I pulled from the uh, the book that I, I I think probably set some of what you just set up pretty well, but uh, one uh, that I certainly believe in. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't care what age you are, uh, business owners uh, don't uh, seem to have the patience for uh, this mindset. But that building a business is a lot like constructing a house. Well, mm-hmm. obviously you don't uh, you don't put the front door up first, do you? No, absolutely not. And again, that's a huge mistake. And, you know, t- taking a playbook, uh, you know, a note out of your playbook, you know, you teach people how to build marketing systems. Yeah. Because some people just think, hey, I'm just going to throw a lot of crap at the wall and see what sticks, because that sounds cool. Well, that's, 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 a, that's a ridiculous premise, right? And that can be applied to any single level uh, of business acumen or any stage of business during its development. So, again, I think that where this book succeeds, uh, hopefully, uh, is that young people are going to understand first, you know, what they need to do because frankly somebody that's been there before it can tell them exactly who you know who they are mm-hmm. uh, and what they're capable of but from a very practical nuts and bolts level and then after that foundation is built start building you know the walls the doors the roof and everything else right uh, well, you touched on this already but I want to go back to it because it's uh, something I f- uh, firmly believe as well um, and that is that unoriginal mm-hmm. is profitable and I think that you're right that's sort of counter a lot of times people look and they'll go oh there are five companies already in this field, I better not get into it. And and I sometimes say, hey, if there are five companies making money in this field, then there's mm-hmm. opportunity because people are already buying. Uh, and all you have, I mean, actually beating out the competition is easy. Creating mm-hmm. a market is hard. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, this is just one of those myths, right? I mean, everybody talks about being original and being innovative, and that's great. But speaking to my generation, we can't let innovation and the need to reinvent the wheel, because I often say when you try to reinvent the wheel, you're doomed to be run over by it. Yeah. Um, you know, we can't let that get in front of our need to generate an income and generate a living. Parents basically are, are kind of like stuck in this mentality that we're going to just keep sending those resumes, but that just doesn't make any sense. So frankly, I think that if we're going to move forward in a proactive way, you know, we need to start thinking very, very differently about how we do this kind of stuff. Well, the web has certainly, I, I think, enabled that. I mean, I think there was a time when think different meant, okay, I'm Instead of sending resumes, I'm going to go door to door. But obviously now you can create an entire brand, an entire sort of niche, as you've done in a way, um, you know, by being willing to go out there and see what's available, by staying consistent, by talking loud enough. I, I think the, the opportunities uh, to, to make something out of nothing are, are pretty uh, uh, unlimited. I would agree, but I'd also put a caution to that. The problem is we are, in fact, the most technologically savvy generation in history. There's no question. But that savviness is also screwing us up as well. Because, again, everybody that now buys a cool domain name thinks they're going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg. And that's their perception of what an online tech-savvy brand should be. So my caution would be this generation needs to shift its focus. It needs to shift it away from thinking that a website is a web business, and rather it should be an amplifier of your business that is focused on selling and marketing. Because, because frankly, without that nuts and bolts practical back end to your business, you know, traffic doesn't happen. You know, these, 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 these falsehoods that we've been told, these myths, you know, and you talk about them all the time, you know, when, oh, yeah, we just open the doors up and expect the people just roll in because I'm brilliant. It's garbage. That's mm-hmm. total nonsense. So in order for us to move forward, we need to know what the tools are versus the idea versus the business model and revenue generation. And I think once we can prioritize those correctly, once Gen Wires learn the difference between what is fantasy, e-true Hollywood story and MTV nonsense and what is practical on the ground, uh, down and dirty business creation, I think we're going to be a lot better off. Yeah, totally agree. It's and and frankly, that regards to who we're talking to, to uh, you know, that's just the way of the marketing world now. It's this idea of a web web presence uh, creates uh, these tremendous opportunities, but uh, it is not the business itself. In fact, I spend a lot of time talking about. I, I think the real killer play these days is to use online to drive offline, um, mm-hmm. and and to to sort of fuse you know online and offline. And I think people that really get that. Uh, are the ones that are and uh, that are really making hay. Exactly. I mean, again, you know, you have things like mobile technology, right. SMS texting, all these great tools, but that's what they are. They are tools. They are not the foundation. They're the windows and the roof. Yeah. So um, one other con- concept, and then there's there, there's actually one little sort of very nuts and boltsy tactical thing that I want to end up with today, but uh, uh, another sort of higher level concept from the book. Uh, entrepreneurship is a beginner's sport, not a banker's sport. I wonder if you could uh, uh, expand on that. Absolutely. I can't, I, I can't tell you how many times I speak around the country and some great kid comes up to me totally disillusioned about the way the world works, just like I did when I said I was going to pitch uh, VC back when I was 19 years old for $19 million on a zero reven- revenue list startup. And goes and says, if you just give me $1 million, 
I will turn that into $500 million in three years. And you look at this kid and you say, dear child, <laughs> oh, you know nothing. <laughs> you know, because what you're basically telling someone when you're asking for money that you've done nothing for, you have no track record, is that, hey, I've got this great, and I'm using the air quotes now, yeah. idea. Right. And uh, that's a great idea you have, but you're asking me to take all the risk, do all the work because you've done nothing. You haven't shown me anything from a proof uh, of concept or track record or but whatever, but you're you. So I'm going to give you the money. I mean, what reality is that? <laughs> you know, it, you know, forget the young generation. That's that, but that's a universal uh, misconception. Right. So when I say that entrepreneurship is not a banker's sport, we have to stop thinking about trying to be rich by 30. That's what I always say, because this mindset that you need to be rich to be an entrepreneur is absolute nonsense. For every one Steve Jobs in the world, there are hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of people that are supporting their family, supporting themselves in a very healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And that should be what entrepreneurship is about. But because of the glitz, the glam, and the nonsense, everybody is all of a sudden trying to go for a magic word that none of them understand called valuation. And so instead of building a real business, they're trying to build an idea, and that idea will bankrupt them. So frankly, I say go to basics, keep it simple, stupid, because if you're not sim if it's not simple, you're stupid. <laughs> so um, let's end on uh, one uh, sort of concept that I pulled out. You spent a lot of time in this book actually talking about ways to, uh, you called it shoestrap, but uh, cut expenses, get by in places where you don't need, uh, need to spend money, uh, but still get some bang for that buck. And that's uh, this idea of a split payday. Mm -hmm. uh, to use someone else's salespeople. And I think that that's mm -hmm. uh, it's a concept that I think a lot of small businesses could probably employ. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and I wonder if you could, it would be great if you could actually, do you have an example even of somebody that's done that? Exact example. So let's say, for example, you're in event space. Uh, and you know somebody who is a florist, and you know another person who's a balloon creator, and so on and so forth. The point is, each of these companies, depending on the scale and the size of those companies, is going to have their own employees. So I always say, put the infrastructure on someone else. Let someone else take the burden, incentivize them to sell for you. And now more than ever, where businesses that do have overhead and can't simply scale down because they want to, because they need certain levels of operations uh, or exist, they need new revenue streams. They need new things that are going to help them to become more profitable, bigger, and stronger. So now more than ever, strategic partnerships and the ability to work with another company uh, is more present in almost any industry. I mean, take another example. Let's say, for example, you're cleaners. Okay, you know that that's a bit of an upscale service. You know, it's not a necessarily lower middle class, uh, you know, offering. And you are somebody else who cleans houses for a living. Again, a not a, another uh, service offering that's available to people with a little bit more means. Well, now all of a sudden exact customer bases that are going after the same sort of higher clientele, uh, you know, the higher end lifestyle, if you will, maybe not luxury, but, you know, definitely not lower middle class, you can partner up and all of a sudden cross promote, sell indirectly to other people to make a percentage of revenue. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and at the end of the day, you're actually doing the other business a favor because if they don't understand the value that you're bringing, if you do have a quality service, then chances are there's going to be somebody else who does. Yeah, absolutely. I um in, in the referral engine spend you know two chapters on that exact thing of putting together a a, a formal network like that. And absolutely, in fact, you know I, that's the answer. Sometimes when somebody comes to me and says I don't have any money, I'm just getting started. What should I do? <laughs> that's the answer I usually tell them is go out and start uh, networking with potential strategic partners because that's going to be the 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 cheapest and fastest way for you to potentially get something going. 
Absolutely. Well, uh, Scott, we are out of time. It was great talking to you. Uh, NeverGetARealJob.com, right, is uh, yep. is, a, is a URL where you can find out lots of information about uh, the book itself, and it is available uh, wherever uh, Wiley has been able to put it. Uh, Everywhere <laughs> books are sold. Uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Borders, 800 CEO, read it, Indie Bound. All right. All right. So, Scott, thanks. I'm sure we'll uh, run into each other out there on the road. It was great, uh, great to uh, get to chat and look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks, John. 